Rax walks up to Piranha, pops a wheelie, and begins shooting. That was actually pretty impressive. He didn't at least fall off of Piranha like usual. <laughs> Matt sneaks up behind and then climbs under Jackhammer and pulls a MacGyver <laughs> using his Swiss Army knife and cuts the brake line. So far, I'm really liking this. A far, far better cry than the last episode. Computer, scan files. Select mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason Gross, radio broadcaster, retro gamer, blogger, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename 6000, 80s guru skills critical, Wyatt Bloom, broadcast technician, DJ, critic, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename Phoenix, 80s analysis vital. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Welcome, agents, to MassCast 65 and the final episode review in our 10-episode Season 5 stretch of the Mobile Armored Strike Command animated series. Coming up on this show, we will take a look at Episode 50, Everglades Oddity, including our usual play-by-play commentary with audio clips mixed in from the actual episode. We will pause to give our opinions and our one to five scale rating at the dramatic halfway point and at the conclusion of the episode. After we've given our final verdict, we'll give the results of our online poll and also read back our listener reviews posted at agentsofmass.com and our social media outlets. The easiest way to participate in these review podcasts is by visiting our website and look for the MassCast assignment in the right-hand column. Everglades Oddity was originally broadcast on December 6, 1985 in the United States and features Matt Tracker being bitten by a venomous snake. And while he recovers, Alex Sector, along with a little bit of Scott and T-Bob, they must lead the mass team to stop Venom's plan of stealing the NASA space shuttle. I'm Jason, one of your hosts of MassCast, and with me as always is my longtime friend and fellow co-host, the Max Steel to my hundred. Max Steel Robo Force! Hundred the Conqueror is about to attack Max Steel the leader! Wrecker the Demolisher to the rescue! Ideal's new Robo Force. Warrior robots with gripper bases and crusher arms, each sold separately. Hundreds escaping! Okay in there? Okay, Dad! But we won't be safe till we're rid of Hundred. Hundred the Conqueror, Max Steel the Leader, Wrecker the Demolisher, each sold separately. New from Ideal's Robo Force. Wyatt, are you ready to take on any mission, any time, any place? Anywhere. <laughs> Except I have no idea what you're talking about. I should, but it doesn't sound familiar. I was trying to remember if we had gone over this before, but this is uh, in reference to a short-lived toy line and even shorter-lived uh, animated series called Robo Force. Now, if you can remember, these were little action figures that were robots. They had a suction cup on the bottom. 
and then they had like movable arms and little action that they could do with their arms and such. Uh, it came out about 1984. Did you remember having any of those little figures or anything? Not at all. That, that <laughs> must have blew past me. Well, while you're uh, Googling RoboForce, I actually remember having, I think it was the leader is Max Steele. Um, I remember having at least him and maybe one other of those figures, and uh, they were pretty cool. Like I said, it was short-lived, and I think just in recent years, they uh, another company has taken over the copyrights and license and all that and released a few, I guess you would call like... Uh, Re, uh, revamped figures at comic cons and such as like exclusives but to basically promote the toys they did a half hour special back in 1984 and the cast was in my opinion stellar the voice cast and I'm going to read back to you who was all involved in this uh, half hour special called Robo Force Revenge of the Nazgar uh, which you can find actually over on YouTube. The uh, the character Cruel was played by Michael Bell. Nice. Who, of course, is Duke on G.I. Joe. And Lance on Voltron. Uh, huh. Yeah. Roger Bumpus. Uh, he played Mark Fury. He's Squidward on SpongeBob SquarePants now. Hmm. He was also Lewis Tully on The Real Ghostbusters. Arthur Burghardt. He played Nazgar and uh, another character called the Sentinel. Of course, he's Destro. He's the guy that's going to be at uh, RetroCon this year. Peter Cullen. We know who Peter Cullen is, Optimus Prime. He played a couple characters in this special. Ron Feinberg. He played the character 100. He was uh, Andre the Giant in Hulk Hogan's Rocket Wrestling. Really? Yeah. And th- th- I'm trying to get like the maybe the most famous uh, <laughs> uh, things that these guys have done. David Mendenhall played a, one of the human characters named Jason Fury, I guess the son. He was the kid in Over the Top. Remember that movie with Sylvester Stallone with the arm wrestling? No, I don't. Uh, I don't think I've watched that movie. He also did the voice for Daniel Witwicky in, the, in Transformers, the movie. Hmm. Robert Ridgely, he uh, fortunately passed away. He was in that. He played uh, uh, Thundar. Remember Thundar the Barbarian? Yeah. That cartoon? Yeah. He was also the voice of Pitfall Harry on uh, uh, the video game show. Crap. (laughs) Yeah, and he just said it a little bit Uh, ago. Supercade. Saturday Supercade. Yeah, yeah. He played the voice of Pitfall Harry. Neil Ross. You know who Neil Ross is. Oh, yeah. He played a character called Blazer. John Stevenson, who played Dr. Fury in the RoboForce special. He's passed away now. But uh, he did several supporting voices and villains on Scooby-Doo. He was uh, some supporting characters like General Flag on G.I. Joe. And he was also Thundercracker on Transformers. I got two more for you. BJ Ward, she played Dina Strong. She was Scarlet on G.I. Joe. What's her name? And BJ Ward. Oh, yeah. She's um um uh, I think she was Princess Alora on the original Voltron. 
Could I be. think is who she's from. She was also Smallfoot on the GoBots. Uh, and the last one that was involved with this special is Alan Young, who unfortunately passed away. He played Scrooge McDuck on DuckTales. Yeah. yeah. So that <laughs> that was the cast involved in this half-hour special. They only made that one little episode to support RoboForce. But um, what I was talking about in the pre-show with uh, the uh, Challenge of the GoBots release that Warner Archive has done, on the Volume 2 DVD set, you can also find this RoboForce special. It's the first time it's ever been released to uh, DVD. Hmm. Very interesting. Was, yeah, uh, very interesting. And, and I, I'm just confirming I was right. She did play Princess Alora. She also was Witch Hagar. She played that that character as well. I forgot she played the both voices. Cool, cool. So. Yeah, so that's a pretty incredible cast for a, a cartoon that you know basically the pilot episode that did didn't take yeah. off. So uh, go check that out on YouTube. Just search for RoboForce, Revenge of Nazgar, and uh, and check that out. It's actually pretty good. I I've, I've watched it a couple times on there. There's a couple of those short lived or like one episode <laughs> uh, series on YouTube you can find and uh, tried to chronicle them a little bit with the rediscover the eighties YouTube into a playlist, but um, go check that out, man. There's some pretty good actors on there. Gonna have to. So, well, uh, speaking of uh, actors and voice actors, uh, that was not a good segue, but (laughs) let's get our mask on. Get your mask on. Well, uh, since we last did a podcast, uh, I did a little giveaway on Twitter. And quick shout-out to the winner, who was Bill Norris. He won a few comics, and I uh, printed out another set of those little papercraft figure templates. And I think I threw in a sticker and some other little things. So, yeah, I've been trying to get another one together. Maybe we'll uh, do another one back over on uh, Facebook pretty soon, I would say. Just trying to get all of the little elements and stuff and make it a pretty cool giveaway. Uh, But like uh, you mentioned a little bit there in the pre-show, the uh, Mass Comic series has been moving right along. I think last time we were saying that it could be up to four issues released in March, and they almost did that. They got three out. Mask number three on March 1st. That uh, Mask Annual number one what came out March 15th, and then Mask number four on March 29th. Uh, have not seen the latest on Mask number five. I'm hoping maybe, well, let's see. We've already passed Wednesday this week. Maybe next week, but um, Darren... Over on Twitter, Darren Gregson, he usually uh, sends me a message because he, since he works at a comic shop, when uh, that's getting you know ready to be released the following week, and uh, haven't heard from him. But uh, yeah, we're hoping maybe uh, as soon as possibly this weekend, getting together with Eric and uh, Bill and trying to kind of. Get our uh, 
our uh, review so far, I guess, uh, being four issues in and also that annual, which uh, basically ties into what uh, Brandon Easton was doing, even though it's written by, uh, I believe, a different person, the annual book. But uh, uh, yeah, there's I'll I'll save it for that because <laughs> there is a a few points, uh, good and bad, that um, I've pulled out of there so far, and uh, I'm still I'm getting the point where I think maybe after issue five, I'm definitely going to keep uh, buying the book. So far, I've been getting basically every cover. Uh, that's been put out sometimes up to four, usually about four covers, which includes the the regular Tommy Lee Edwards cover. But um, I might just slack off and get one copy moving forward, just because I'm getting a little little overkill on the uh, on the comics purchasing. Yeah. I'm I'm slightly behind the times when it comes to the comics. I haven't kept up. Um, I think I've only read two, so I need to get my homework mask on uh, <laughs> yes. to to get caught up, especially if we're going to do a podcast this weekend. Um, of course, I might not be available, depending on when I can fly out of here. Uh, yeah. Well, we might just wait until you do uh, become a little more available since you're traveling. But uh, I do, do want to uh, get our hash it out with uh, our buddies. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, anything on your end? Uh, just to mention, just really a plug, uh, shameless plug, but still a plug nonetheless. Uh, like we've said, kind of off and on, we we've, we've been really traveling down memory lane lately with Memory Jogger, mm-hmm. and uh, tell you what, it's been a thrill. And uh, just want a, a quick plug: go listen to it. Rediscoverthe80s.com. Uh, I think we've actually got another good broadcast. Um, series going on. It's it's been mm-hmm. fun. Uh, in fact, on the plane ride down, that's all I listen to is <laughs> Memory Jogger, and that's what I've been listening to in the car. I should be listening to everything else. That's you know the local area where I'm at, and uh, I, I I swear I just can't get enough of living the old days of um, whether it's high school or even the even the yeah. original startup, the Meet the Hosts. It, it's been fun in between, so. Yeah, been really fun, and uh, you can also just go to your whatever uh, podcast app you use and just type in Memory Jogger. You should be able to find it's on the uh, Rediscover the '80s uh, feed. So go check that out if you want to hear us babble on for hours about our childhood uh, adventures. It's fun. Uh, it just relives my memories. In fact, while we yeah. were just talking about it on the pregame uh, here pre-show that. Essentially, you know, I've I've been reliving my our radio station days, and I like I said, I saved most of the liners and stuff, so I've kind of been reliving that. It's short little yeah. clips, but it's still kind of fun to hear old uh, QIX ninety three five pop up. Yep. So cool. Uh, just a couple more things. Wanted to plug a few people in the community that's been uh, putting some stuff out there. The Weapons Forge toy design. Our buddy Bjorn, he's uh, done some, uh, he's into everything. He's done some uh, art and Photoshopping work for us. And he also does this, it's it's basically uh, 3D printing. And he's 
put together many different accessories to make the mask toys, I guess, more screen accurate, you would say. Um, some little things for Gator here and there and a uh, little fun stuff. Uh, there's a little gun that came out the, uh, the bottom of Thunderhawk on a couple episodes, that kind of a thing. If you want to take your toys essentially to the next level and he's come up with this nice little custom display for your figures complete with the little nameplate, and there's a little holder for the mask and of course the pegs to stand your little figure on. So uh, head over to, it's just called Weapons Forge Toy Design on Facebook. It's the, probably the easiest way to get to uh, their shop and, and check that out. And another person in the community that's really caught my eye lately was the, uh, the art designer Shiru Deku, I think is what he goes by on DeviantArt, you've seen some of these uh, portraits of uh, the mask team kind of in that 80s neon style, uh, some pretty cool fonts and stuff he's using, and then uh, these just amazing uh, the pictures he's put together. Uh, I did a, a second post on the site. With, he's got more characters now, and there's even some uh, new looks. He's He did the uh, how the you know, the boxes that red with the slanted white line, the toy boxes. He used that kind of uh, imagery on some stuff, and uh, it's been really cool. And uh actually asked him if he wouldn't mind kind of revamping our logo. I don't even know if you saw that, Wyatt. Um, I have. Kinda, That's awesome. He kind of jazzed that up and made it a little more uh, neon in the middle, uh, almost like energizing the mask. Uh, in the logo and just put the really cool kind of reflection on that as well. So props to him for just essentially keeping uh mask at the forefront and doing a little, uh, some tribute work there for all the characters and vehicles and such and helping us out with our logo there. Looks really cool. If you want to go over to Facebook, I put it up on Facebook and it's on Twitter, the logo, the new logo we're using. So, uh, Thank you to him. And uh, I think that's about it for uh, Get Your Mask On, unless you got anything else there, partner. I do not. Well, let's head down to Florida and go uh, trampsing through the Everglades. Yes, let's start the Mask Cast. We begin episode 50 as we fade up on a gentle river with a couple young boys canoeing down it. They stumble upon a camouflage net with the space shuttle underneath. One of the boys, Mike, is inquisitive and wants to investigate, while the other is a bit timid. Wonder what the space shuttle's doing here? I don't know, Mike. Maybe we better not. What are you scared of? Somebody just left it sitting here. Mike walks in with the other boy closing the door, saying at least the door works. However, it is now jammed, and the boys begin to shout for help. In a lab, the boy is yelling at Mr. Sector, who is harvesting some venom from a snake. Too bad it's not the real venom, you know, guys. <laughs> anyway, the boy insists that he come help 
rescue his friend. Sounds like a pretty incredible story, Osk. I know, but... But it's not an impossible one. Cape Canaveral isn't that far away. We'll use my airboat. Come on. We now learn that the other boy's name is Osk. I think is how it's pronounced. I think so. At first, I thought it was Rosk. And I'm like, okay, if you're just going to call him Rosk, call him Roscoe, at least. Have some fun with it. <laughs> Later on, I found out it was Osk without the R. Anyway, arriving, Alex uses a crowbar to remove the door from the shuttle, and Mike emerges. He asks the boys to wait while he jogs over and grabs his mask laptop, which I didn't know he had his own mask laptop now. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know that either. I thought that was kind of cool that uh, maybe uh, Matt's passing along more resources than we know. That's it. To the uh, At least to Alex, who's kind of his uh, tech guy. True. Well, him and Bruce. <laughs> yeah. Our next scene takes us to the Tracker Mansion. Yes, and uh, T-Bob's grilling some hamburgers on the barbecue. He stops to imagine having his own cooking show <laughs> while Matt and Scott are flying their remote control airplanes. Matt says he's got the Red Baron now. As Scott says, no, you don't. And watch this. And he makes his red plane do a loop and falls right behind Matt's blue plane. Well, as they fly past T-Bob, he mistakenly plucks Scott's plane out of the air instead of a nearby stack of burgers. And he proceeds to smash it down with his spatula right into the grill. T-Bob, wait! That's my plane! Hmm, it looks pretty well done to me. Scott tells T-Bob he fried his plane. Well, Matt jokes he doesn't remember the Red Baron being such a short order cook. Well, uh, Matt finally lands his plane, and T-Bob jumps up on a chair, saying he's a tall order cook. <laughs> so here we go with these uh, little jokes here. Right. But uh, Matt chuckles, and his wristwatch beeps. <laughs> it's a call from Alex. That was the nastiest so we, freaking alarm, too. They just they've got used that first. before. Have they? Because that was yeah. nasty. Well, they've they've used it before, but it's again, it's the consistency factor with the sound effects that you know we're used to one sound that kind of smooth back and forth sound, and this was just a blaring, <laughs> blaring alarm almost. Anyway, so we head back inside to the uh, kind of Boulder Hill computer there. Uh, or at least the the computer that Matt uses inside the, the mansion. Uh, I nicknamed it for this one. I called it Mansion Command Center because <laughs> that's where there they're you at. Go. <laughs> True. Matt, I'm out in the Everglades, and I've just waded into something very unusual, a full-size mock-up of the space shuttle built completely out of plywood. I think this deserves a closer inspection. I'll be right there. Scott and T-Bob run up and... Matt questions if the Red Baron and the Tall Order Cook want to explore the Everglades. They both nod, and he tells them to go get their gear and head for Thunderhawk. And they both give an all right. So uh, after this, we fade into uh, a little bit later time where uh, Alex, Matt, and Scott and T-Bob and those two boys are back at the river. And Alex tells Matt that the shuttle is a complete fake and that the outer shell is the only thing that's detailed. And then Matt then questions, Why build a mock-up of the space shuttle? 
and then dump it in the middle of the Everglades. A shuttle in the Everglades? Do you know what they're talking about? Mike and I found it. Later on, when the grown-ups are done fooling with it, we'll check it out. So uh, this, these little boys here are about as mischievous as uh, <laughs> Scott is. Oh, yeah. As far as going behind the parents or adults back. But uh, after this, we see Matt and Alex take off in the airboat. And our next scene actually lands us into uh, the shuttle, which looks like it is about ready to lift off. Then we cut into the inside mission control where we see the team preparing for the launch. Gentlemen, we have a go for the shuttle pre-launch ignition test. This older man, which seems out of place uh, already, but he's sneaking around and opens this little tiny door and presses a button, then promptly closes it and walks out of the room with no one even knowing what he's done. Outside, he ends up radioing, Lockdown is released. Security system has been deactivated. Confirm. Confirm, Shadow. You've done your part. Now we'll do ours. We are back at the mock shuttle with Matt and Alex, who are exploring the interior in which Matt comments that it's like a space-age Trojan horse. Suddenly, the mock shuttle quakes, and he instructs them to run outside. They notice that the airboat is on fire. What the? Huh? Duck! Here we see Jackhammer transforming into tank mode, and it's blasts the airboat again, with Alex commenting that their ride home went up in smoke. <laughs> Matt slightly quips and then states they need to get Dagger off of their trail and then call on the team. Dagger shouts, Come on out and play, boys! Matt instructs Alex to distract him while he uses the smoke to their advantage. Alex shouts over here as he tugs on a vine, shaking a large tree branch. Dagger looks over and faces Jackhammer towards it. Thought I saw something move! Can't see a darn thing! Quick freak job will do the trick. <laughs> Matt sneaks up behind and then climbs under Jackhammer and pulls a MacGyver <laughs> using his Swiss Army knife and cuts the brake line. I thought that was actually pretty good cool because I'm still I'm actually going over MacGyver right now. I'm in season six right now. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. Uh, so anyway, he runs out from underneath Jackhammer and into the stick brush and as he comments, have a nice trip, Dagger. <laughs> over his shoulder, we see some more brush moving with Dagger seeing it. Dagger drives over to it, which seems like it's a real long distance from, from you know, basically the it way it's set up. Then he notices that the brakes are out, and he crashes into a tree. And Mayhem radios to Dagger and... Mayhem to Dagger. What happened, Dagger? Answer me. Dagger here. No sign of those intruders, Mayhem. They're long gone. Boy, did I scare him up. Then meet us at the Cape. The shuttle will soon be ours. On my way! All the while, Matt and Alex have been eavesdropping onto this radio conversation. Matt states the obvious, that the shuttle is the plot, and Alex states that there must be someone on the inside. And they walk over to the mock-up, in which Alex states, too bad they can't fly this one, as it's a long walk back to the reptile farm. Uh, pausing here, 
-hmm. What I didn't like or didn't understand was the brake lines are cut on Jackhammer. He crashes Jackhammer. Then he takes and off yet, again. Then he takes off. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, what's he going to do? Run, drive until the thing crashes again? Yeah, uh, but that didn't make sense. What I did like about this scene was how he's driving it. You see him just slightly steer. You know, the, the, I'll call it the steering wheel. It looks more like the Knight Rider, you know, yeah, pilot, pilot uh, joystick. But um, that I liked. Uh, I, I really did like the scene, except for the, uh, I'll call it the big flaw of you know, driving off with no brakes. Right. Um, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was It was cool to see the controls themselves. You know, yes. you don't, I think this is probably the first time we've gotten a look at the turret cockpit, I guess I'll call it, and uh, how he steers and some of the buttons there. And you see the he's got an intercom where Mayhem Radio's in. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it was just neat to see kind of a close-up of that. What I didn't before. like, uh, and I'm just now thinking about it, I didn't think about it at the time, but obviously it set the scene up for Matt and, and Alex, but, you know, don't they always radio through the masks? So yeah. why is it that he's setting up, he's going over, like, a, a lack of a better term, an actual, like, true radio, yeah, uh, PA radio, rather, type setup? I mean, oh. it, it works out, but... It, I'm just now it just dawns on me that this is the disconnect. Right. And again, this is another inconsistency because we've seen mayhem with a walkie up to the Viper mask, you know, <laughs> try, uh, communicating with the team. And there's other times where they just, it's there's essentially built into their masks, or at least that's what we assume. So it's just inconsistent how they're communicating back and forth. Right. But uh, anyway, well, we head back to the farm. One of the boys tells Scott, I think it was that Osk guy, they have a lot of neat junk to show him. (laughs) Scott peruses this junk pile, and then he looks out at the airboat near Thunderhawk. Hey, T-Bob, look at this. Maybe I can modify you just a little. Uh, We head back to Matt and Alex. They're now walking back. Not quite a stroll through Trafalgar Square. For the Everglades, this is Central Park, Alex. Let's rest a little bit. Maybe we'll make it before dark. Well, Matt sits down next to a tree, and a snake slithers down and bites Matt on the arm. Alex quickly reacts by making a whip out of a nearby vine to essentially scare off the snake. Alex wraps the vine around Matt's arm to slow the poison from spreading. And Matt asks him if the snake was lethal. Yes, we don't have much time. Anywhere from 20 minutes to two hours. And the snake bite kit was in the airboat. Well, Matt says they better get moving as he is already feeling dizzy. And Alex puts one of Matt's arms around his neck and they begin walking again as we fade to the dramatic commercial break. So that was a quick uh, first half of the episode. It was, <laughs> and you know, I, the... I I clocked it. It it was, uh, you know, usually it's uh, usually our, around eleven. It was at nine and a half minutes, and usually it's at yeah. eleven. It's right at the true halfway. I think the 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 recording is about twenty two minutes, twenty one, twenty two, depending right. on what it is. So yeah, this is like an early commercial. So yeah, it was. So uh, so how you feeling so far? 
Uh, so far, I'm really liking this. Uh, far, far better cry than the last episode. Better. Um, lots of drama. Great animation. Like I said, you know, you saw the detail of, of uh, Dagger driving Jackhammer. Not a lot of lame jokes, which is a plus. <laughs> uh, we get the plot, and though we don't exactly know what this mock shuttle is being used for, it still ends up being a great setup for Dagger to basically entrap uh, Alex and uh, Matt. Uh, I enjoyed the tactic of using the smoke to distract Dagger so that Matt could cut the brake lines. But like I said, it wasn't consistent. You know, he crashes and then he drives off. What's he going to do? Ride the emergency brake all day? Yeah. Um, Didn't kind of follow through on it. Yeah. Right. That's basically where I marked it down was that. Uh, I didn't even think about the radio until we were just talking about it. The snake bite does build some suspense to it. As much as I wanted to, I really didn't ding the alarm, the watch alarm for being as horrendous as it was, but <laughs> they're consistent at being inconsistent. Um, <laughs> what I did like also that added to it, I don't know if you noticed, but there was so much more detail in all of the characters' eyes. Did you see this where they were really using widening, squinting, looking? They, it, it was like finally someone in the art department said, you know what? We really don't do much with the eyes. Let's add a little you know, mm-hmm. intrigue or something. There was a lot of that. I loved that they gave, or they gave the cartoon more life, essentially. Yeah. So um, well, it was in the, the animation, end, I didn't really, I didn't really pull that out particularly, but uh, I did notice they had some really, really good shots and yeah. animation was top. It was. That's. Uh, I knocked it down a point one because of the brake line inconsistency. So I'm at a four point nine. I'm I'm a, <laughs> I'm loving this this episode thus far. Yeah. How about you? I'm right there with you. I don't. I don't do the. Uh, Point one. I usually am at the half. Yeah. The half point, you know? I've been trying to avoid but, it, uh, but this was a this was a ding. I had to ding it. Yeah. But um, I didn't find en- uh, enough in there to knock it down a half point. So I'm still at a five. Really liked how it started off. You got a little bit of drama there with the kids trapping themselves in there. Uh, or kid. <laughs> there was uh, the little disconnect with me was the boat. You hear the explosion, they run outside, it's on fire, and then we see Jackhammer converting. So, True. you know, it's it's probably just added in there for that conversion sequence to see, the to, for the kids to see it, you know, transform. Changing, but yeah. that was a little inconsistency there, because if he had already fired upon it, his gun should have already been out, that kind of a thing. Um, but, you know, there's always good drama when Mask's leader is in danger. And this isn't... Uh, the first time for him, but uh, it was a potentially pivotal twist to the episode from going after Venom to helping <laughs> Matt stay alive, you know, that kind of a thing. So we know Venom's involved and they're going to try to steal the shuttle at this point, but how is this all going to play out with trying to get Matt back on his feet and then going after right. Venom? So I liked the I liked the drama. It wasn't like um, there's a couple episodes where there, well, there's one where he was uh, on a conveyor belt, you know, going into a hay baler or something. Oh yeah, uh, that was like some real 
imminent danger that was taken care of quickly. But this drama, you know, continued basically throughout the whole episode uh, with him. So I thought that was good and a nice change of pace. And like you, I like seeing a little more of the technology. Matt getting a call essentially to his watch. Right. I thought that was, I don't remember that happening before. It's usually just an alarm to let people know to get your butt to Boulder Hill. Right. And then the we talked about the jackhammer turret. And then I really like that Venom has yet again infiltrated and manipulated people out, essentially outside of their organization, I would think, to uh, to do their dirty work. So, uh, and I, I think it's later in the episode where Miles says, uh, you know, when he buys somebody, he buys somebody, you know, the top person, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Right. So, uh, I like that. I like that. Um, it's not just the, you know, the same Venom characters and they use or manipulate people outside of the organization. So I thought that was really good. So I'm at a five. I'm going to keep it there until, uh, the, we get to the end of the episode. We'll, I guess, figure out where we land. <laughs> All righty. So we return with T-Bob floating along the river as an airboat with a funky fan sticking out of his head. Dad's airboat left the trail a mile wide, T-Bob. That space shuttle shouldn't be too hard to find. What's that? Scott, thank goodness you're here. Hurry. Suddenly, Scott sees something, and then they end up meeting up with Alex and Matt along the shoreline. Alex asks Scott to come over immediately, and we get the to see T-Bob transform from airboat mode to robot. And Scott yeah, worriedly I, screams, Dad. It was kind of weird. I was trying to figure out what he used for his, like, pontoons. I guess they were filled with air or something, because they yeah. kind of shrunk and disappeared up into his chassis. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought at first maybe it was like some canisters or something, but that was kind of weird anyway. Inflatable pontoons. Yeah. Matt states that he cannot go further, that he has an awful fever, which I don't know how you know that you have your an old, you know, you have a fever unless you see you're hot, but whatever. Right. Uh, Alex tells them that Matt's been bitten and instructs them to get back to the reptile farm ASAP to get the antitoxins kit. Better yet, T-Bob could carry him back. He's too weak to hold on, Scott. My arm. Can't feel my arm. Then use my radio and call ahead for the serum. Okay. Alex uses T-Bob's intercom and instructs... This is really cool. Yeah, I thought this was great. Yeah. Instructs the Thunderhawk computer to activate and then route the message through its loudspeaker, basically a PA speaker. So an alarm sounds from Thunderhawk, which looks like it spooks the two boys. Then Alex mm-hmm. asks for them. Mike responds with Alex replying back to have them go to the lab to go get the vial of the snake venom. Alex continues that T-Bob will come get it. And then Mike states that they know where it is and will get it. And as the boys run off, Alex instructs the Max computer to do a uh, with a code 1330 and has it recommend the best agents for our mission. And we get, uh, and that was cool. I mean, I like that he used like two different code numbers. Yes. The computer recognized that and what to do with it and that he essentially knew that off the top of his head. So there's probably several other codes that you can activate Thunderhawk with, which I thought was pretty cool. 
Anyway, uh, the computer selects Dr. Julio Lopez. Which we now learn as a doctor. I don't think we've ever well, a doctor. We, well, I think in the uh, previous episodes, he's had a, his little call-up scene is he's at the doctor's office or something. Well, I don't know. He was playing chess. Yeah, I don't think they've identified One him player. as a doctor. It's now a doctor this episode. So could, uh, either way, it's right. cool. Anyway, yeah, so they call him up to monitor Matt, essentially, and his little scene is he's at his office with a patient, goes behind a changing curtain, and when he comes out, Julio's gone. Computer also selects Dusty for his all-terrain vehicle and his experience in marshy areas like the Everglades. And his little scene is he's setting up chairs to open up the restaurant and essentially rushes off. Mm -hmm. Computer also selects Ace Riker for his piloting experience and space shuttle knowledge. He's holding, I think he's the one with the uh, hardware store. And he's holding a chainsaw. He gets the call and uh, places it and his apron on a nearby dummy. (laughs) <laughs> and walks out of the store. And then we get the computer pre-selecting Alex Sector as the mission leader. And Alex approves the team and orders to assemble. And then we head back to the space shuttle and the ominous Venom theme. And we hear, uh, I'm sorry, and we see uh, Vanessa and Rax and Dagger uh, approaching a door. Vanessa inserts a security key card. And the door opens up, and there is Mayhem, and he introduces his, what he called his shadow, his contact on the inside, which is Major David Klaus. I'd like you to meet our contact on this mission, Major David Klaus. This is Call Central, the brain to our mission control system. You'll be able to override the shuttle test program from here. Then it's up to you, Vanessa. You've only got one shot to fly that baby out of here. One mistake, and it'll be a short trip for all of us. You have nothing to worry about, Major. When I buy someone, I buy the best. That includes pilots or security chiefs. So now we understand who this Major is. He's the security chief of the the shuttle control there. Well, uh, then Mayhem kind of proudly states that he's about to steal the most powerful force ever created and not even masks can stop them. Uh, Spoke too soon. (laughs) Anyway, we head back to the farm now as uh, Scott and T-Bob arrive. Right. Uh, Scott arrives and asks for the antitoxin. Osk tells them to go ahead as T-Bob is twice as fast as their airboat. I doubt that. I agree. (laughs) But nonetheless... uh, Osk tosses the kit, and they run off back to Matt. Alex gives him the shot and tells Matt to try to relax. Matt jokes that it's just what he needed. Nurse T-Bob. And we see T-Bob with the fan now facing down or facing forward on him, basically giving him a little bit of a cool breeze. And that was cool. Uh, One thing that kind of took me out of the episode for a little bit is when they (sighs) – they essentially drove off with the serum and I was a little confused. I was like, why is, why did Scott need to Jerry rig T-Bob as a boat when they're just (laughs) essentially driving uh, 
driving along the land to get to Matt. You know, I I guess that's maybe why T Bob was faster. Now that I think about it, uh, being able to ride, but I don't know. That just kind of could be, or there was the disconnect that you know they they airboated back and then airboated back to you know back to the to the Matt and Alex. There, the the downside is there was a big disconnect. You didn't know how they went back and forth, but uh, right, nonetheless, it's there. Uh, the anyway. serum truly works quick, as Scott says. He he thinks it's working. Matt opens his eyes and grabs Scott's hand, and and even kind of comes out of the fog like he didn't even realize Scott and T. Bob were really even there. He just like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, Scott. He adds that for once, Venom has gotten the better of him. Alex states that now, Mister Tracker, your taxi service is here. But what about the shuttle, the team? Everything's been taken care of. You have an appointment with two weeks of complete bed rest to keep. Julio's orders. Great. Just great. <laughs> We're back at NASA, where we see Miles instructing Vanessa that once they have control, she's supposed to fly over the mock-up in the Everglades. I know, I know, Mayhem. We've been over this a hundred times. Fly below radar, the chase planes will follow me, see our mock-up, and think I've crashed. By the time they figure out that mock-up is a phony, we'll have disappeared. Now back at, uh, I guess, a house? A farmhouse? I don't know where we're at. It's kind of a disconnect here. It's not a hotel. No, I was thinking it was back at Alex's, what do you call it, a reptile farm? Reptile farmhouse, yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think it was just maybe his living quarters there or something. But anyway, uh, we're back there. Matt's in bed. T-Bob brings him a stack of pillows with Matt telling him, watch out. And T-Bob trips, and the pile of pillows goes on top of Matt. I think this cure is more dangerous to my health than the snake bite. I need to get to Cape Canaveral and meet the team. Oh, no, you don't. Julio enters about that time, tells him that that's definitely not happening, that he's been suffering double vision, partial paralysis, and fever. He states that he'd be a danger to himself and the mission. So Matt says if he can't play, then he'll coach. So he uh, reaches over and contacts Alex, who is uh, now in the transport plane well, via the laptop. Did you notice during this little tiny scene where mm-hmm. the music bed just abruptly stops? It did that twice in the episode. Did it? Um, I only caught it this one time. It stops here, and I'm trying to think where it did it another time. I'm like, uh, what's up with the sound guy? Cause he's not really? fading this out. It's just like a really abrupt ending to the, you know, the music. Don't know. It, it, it I definitely noticed it though. So it kind of yeah. took you out of the episode there. But anyway, um, from the, uh, the transport plane cockpit, Alex, uh, says he used dragonfly, which is uh Julio's vehicle to rendezvous with the team while Matt was asleep. I, I'm going to stop you here again. Did you notice okay. how Ace's sleeves changed colors? No. Missed that. It's it's not maybe inside a the second. Plane? Inside the plane, when they first you first cut to the, the inside of the transport plane, they're one color, I think they're yellow, and then they flip to white or vice versa. Hmm. Uh, and it's just a quick blip, but I see it. It's like they forgot to color him in or, or had the yeah, wrong color. color, one of the two. 
color one of the cells or different color on one of the cells. Right. No, didn't notice that. Didn't I missed that altogether? Well, uh, after uh, Alex tells Matt this, Matt sarcastically says that he gets benched and everyone deserts him. And he asks for their ETA with uh, Cape Canaveral. Alex says 15 minutes away and he has clearance to land from the PNA. I Which thought it was is, cool they name dropped them in there. Yeah, it's been a while since they name dropped them. Mm-hmm. There's a pre launch test run scheduled for the shuttle this afternoon. Perfect opportunity for mayhem. Matt! The fever's flaring up again. You boys get to work. We'll keep tabs on you via computer link. Stop Venom, guys. If Mayhem steals the shuttle, he'll threaten national security. Scott and T-Bob kind of look on and then uh, look at each other with a concerned uh, expression on their faces. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we get back to the shuttle with Switchblade, Piranha, and Jackhammer now in view at the airfield. All right, Rex, now! Stiletto, fire! And he shoots open some uh, building doors with his stiletto mask. We see Vanessa enter the cockpit, and then the mask transport plane uh, lands. And one of the uh, tower guys radios to mask that they have uh, the general's full support, and they've checked the base, but they've found nothing. The mouth doors open on the transport plane, as I call them, and Rhino and Slingshot and Gator roll out of there. Alex radios back from Rhino to confirm the tower's message and tells him to clear the area of all support personnel. Rhino essentially rolls right past Jackhammer. I don't know how he could miss that. Exactly. With uh, Dagger saying, Mayhem figured wrong. I guess uh, about, you know, Mask showing up. Uh, He converts Jackhammer and immediately begins shooting the turret lasers at Rhino. And Alex says they are under fire and gives the command for defense mode, which triggers the uh, jackrabbit mask dropping. And then uh, we get a sequence of Ace getting his ricochet mask. And then basically just a shot of Dusty with his mask. Already on. (laughs) Uh, Already on. Uh, Then we get a really cool sequence of Rhino extending the battering ram grill and lowering the guns. We see uh, finally see Slingshot kind of in action it opens up and launches that little red jet inside and then we get gator lowering the roll bar gun from the top and dusty gives a yahoo and look out (laughs) venom mask is here uh then we uh cut back to the space shuttle which is beginning its launch sequence right we're given the countdown of uh, i think it's 24 minutes i think is what they said but Anyway, I think he said two minutes. That's what I thought he said originally. But as you go on, you see the count as 24. So I don't know if it was a... That could have been. Yeah, I, I missed that. So, But anyway, well, there's the countdown the to start. Whatever the time is, the mm-hmm. countdown started. Uh, but there's a lot of guests in the area. Intruder alert. We see Switchblade arise with Miles instructing Rax. Those meddlers, Rax, hit the override. Countdown resumed. Now let's get out of here before that shuttle fries us like hot dogs on a grill. And, of course, all I could think of is uh, a little scene from uh, is it Hot Shots where they're grilling the hot dog from the jet engine. 
<laughs> yes, I remember that. So uh, Switchblade transforms into Jet Mode, and Miles instructs Vanessa to rendezvous as soon as she is clear. The slingshot jet begins to chase Miles as he instructs Rax to get Mask off his tail. Rax walks up to Piranha, pops a wheelie, and begins <laughs> shooting. That was actually pretty impressive. He didn't at least fall off of Piranha like usual. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, we know he has skills. Just most of the time it's not the skill is getting, you know, being yeah. flopped off the bike. Ace replies that I'll teach you to mess with an ex-test pilot. Here, it, it to me, there was no delineation between Rax and Ace. They're all the same voice to me. Uh, yeah. It's, it's like it's like he couldn't change the voice quick enough, or he forgot to change the voice, or it's just so close that to me it was like. Uh, either one, you're talking the same voice to me. Well, yeah, there's a little bit, I think, a different pacing there with uh, Rex. I think he talks a little bit faster, and Ace is more that John Wayne kind of mm-hmm. style. I'll teach you to mess with the next test pilot, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I didn't, I didn't really. Uh, I didn't really notice that there. This one, it was just this specific scene. It just seemed like it didn't change. But nonetheless, we're on the ground. We see Jackhammer chasing Rhino. Then uh, laser spray around Jackhammer with uh, Dagger asking, where'd he come from? <laughs> Alex stops and tells Ace uh, he's all his. So Ace blasts. Now, this, sorry. this killed me right here because Rhino stops and Jackhammer just drives right past him. Yeah. It was like, and uh, Rhino could have obliterated him with the, the the smokestack lasers. Yeah, or Rex could have kept firing on Rhino. True, um, just because you know Ace fired a couple shots at him, you would think his focus would have still been Rhino, but he just kind of lets him go and drives right past him. Anyway, 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 Ace blasts Jackhammer, and at first, I thought he enveloped them in a cloud of smoke. But later on in the scene, it looks like he uh, kind of melted the concrete and then encased them. Uh, but we'll get there. I, I couldn't make it out. But yeah. we get there later on because basically they laser shoot at each other to break out of that whatever encasement that they're in. But it was it looked to me like it was moving, like it was smoke or yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it was. But Play-Doh. anyway. <laughs> For all we know, yeah. And next, we see um, we see and then hear the announcement that the shuttle is launching. As we see Dusty climbing the tower, and as the shuttle engines ignite, Dusty states that he's a bit too late to color this Bronco. And Alex replies, uh, "Wait, Dusty!" Next, we see Switchblade scream by. Then Jackhammer and Piranha shooting lasers at each other to clear the smoke or concrete or Play-Doh or whatever that is, like I just said earlier, so they can get out of it. And mm-hmm. Dagger State said, Sorry, we can't stay for the barbecue. Jackrabbit on! So Alex jumps out of Rhino and uses Jackrabbit. And he actually uses the command, Jackrabbit on. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. They actually do that now. Um, <laughs> flying to catch Dusty with him, saying, Thanks for the lift, partner. And then the shuttle blasts off, which the blast knocks over Rhino, which was actually kind of cool to see. 
<laughs> I thought so as well. So Alex uh, makes a call over the laptop. Right, saying the shuttle is launched and they will never catch them in time. Julio and Scott walk into Matt's room, but he's gone. And they can't find T-Bob either. And they hear a noise outside, and they run out, and they watch Thunderhawk taking off into the sky. There's your answer, but who is flying it? Uh, then we see inside Thunderhawk, we see T-Bob is actually flying Thunderhawk. And a wearied Matt is in the passenger seat. And Matt says the shuttle should be coming in sight soon. But I can't fly this thing. I'll show you. Activate the laser controls. Wrong button, T-Bob. Well, T-Bob hits the wrong button and he makes Thunderhawk into this like descent. <laughs> it was like he really uh, was it a descent? Because it looked like it. It looked like he tried to pop a wheelie sort of in air. Is what it looked like. I don't know. Me. I don't know what function he hit, but <laughs> <laughs> knocked him off course pretty abruptly there. Matt tells him, no, it's on the right. So he approaches the shuttle and tells T-Bob to lock in the sights. And he says the T-Bob thinks they're locked in on the boosters. He calls for Matt and he tells him to fire. So T-Bob hits a button and launches, well, this rocket kind of pops open from mm-hmm. Thunderhawk, which we, I don't believe, have seen. I mean, usually he drops bombs. We've never seen a, like a missile launch, launch right. uh, from there before. But here it looks like it just preps itself. It doesn't actually launch in this specific scene. Right. right. It just kind of drops down and it's like it's uh, kicking on the engine. So we uh, he gets the rocket ready. Vanessa radios to Mayhem from inside the shuttle cockpit saying they are home free and will rendezvous in 15 minutes. Well, the Thunderhawk missile now is released and it hits the boosters, and it essentially dislodges the boosters from the shuttle. What was that? Damn, I've been hit! This hunk of junk's worthless now, Mayhem. Hurry up and get me out of here before the authorities show up. Vanessa, she has to land the shuttle, and it crashes, and kind of skids to a halt. And then we see uh, T-Bob flying Thunderhawk uh, lower and into some trees. And then we, the scene kind of fades back to the reptile farm. Well, I don't know that it faded because uh, it acted like it, uh, like this was another commercial to me. Well, it, it, it faded to black and then it was actually a pretty cool transition. It was, but it still it, acted like another, like I said, another commercial break. Right. It fades to black, and then that black screen becomes, what was it, maybe the part of the laptop or something? Yes. And as they pan back, it was pretty cool. Um, Anyway, we're back at the reptile farm there. Alex says that this is the craziest thing Matt's ever done. Uh, Scott asks if he'll be all right, with Ace saying it was a pretty steep dive. So apparently, somehow, they were monitoring that Thunderhawk crashed. We get back here now to the scene of the crash with Alex and Scott and Julio. They're on hand and T-Bob, he kind of comes to. Huh? Oh, what happened? Oh, where's Matt? 
I thought we were goners for a moment there, T-Bob. You saved the shuttle and both of us. Scott says he was a pretty good pilot, too, and maybe Matt will let them fly Thunderhawk with T-Bob. And Matt says, hey, just wait a minute now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Dusty pulls up in Gator. Says he tried to track down Vanessa, but they got clean away. Without the shuttle, thanks to all of you, especially T-Bob. I don't know what I'd do without you boys. Except maybe give you flying lessons. <laughs> <laughs> and they all chuckle as we fade to black in the end of the episode. And up to our PSA. Right, Scott is sunning himself beside the pool as T-Bob runs, literally, out of the house. Scott shouts to look out for the puddle. Then uh, T-Bob obviously runs into the puddle and tosses all the little balls and slips on the puddle and slides into the pool. Scott talks to the camera at this point and says, T-Bob wouldn't be in this trouble if he'd remember one safety rule. Don't run around a pool. He gets up and pulls a flailing T-Bob out of the pool, and Scott tells him that water is slippery, and that makes it dangerous. Don't forget. Um, <laughs> eh, didn't correlate, but still a good, good uh, PSA. It actually kind of did, because I, I kind of uh, hearkened it back to when, uh, when T-Bob brought the pillows in to Matt and tripped and dumped all the pillows onto Matt. So I guess I could see that. I yeah. don't know. Maybe I'm reaching, but uh, <laughs> maybe a little, a little tie into the episode, <laughs> not, not in uh, geography at all, but uh, just in that little tripping action. Right. Anyway. So what's your rating? Uh, for me, the, the it kind of fizzled a little bit at the end. If it had, well, let me just say, Overall, the animation I thought was top notch. Uh, mm -hmm. There was a couple recycled shots in there. The switchblade transformation—that's kind of the one we always see. But it was very good, and there's some very cool shots of focusing. You know, like when you said uh, when Matt kind of comes awake after he gets the shot, and he, you see Scott come into focus like he's waking up. You know, there was a, another shot where you're between a couple people and you focus in on the, the person in the distance. So they were, yeah. they were pretty uh, inventive with uh, the animation and some of the shots in this episode. Um, I thought Doug did a really great job with portraying Matt's voice as weakened and hurt. That can't be an easy thing to do. Uh, I mean, you really have to be, uh, have some acting skills to have that come out in your voice. You know, and, and not just yeah, kind of show that you're sluggish and all that. Right. And it has to be, you know, being the voice actor that he is to manipulate your voice at first, just to be Matt Tracker, then to actually mm -hmm. modify it even still to be hurt or in pain or screaming or whatever. Yeah, he, he was, this is one of his better, better episodes, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and like you mentioned, as much as I love Rhino, it was fun to see it get kind of pulverized by the shuttle wake. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you would say. Yeah. Um, as it's blasting off. Uh, it just adds a little more realism to the episode, you know, and that kind of a thing. 
But like I mentioned, I, I thought this episode had a real good chance. Uh, even through most of the second half of the episode to be kind of up there on that pedestal with some of the, our favorites that we've rated in the past, you know, like Rotex. Um, right. Uh, I think salt on Liberty is one. I, I'm, I'm, we'll go through our, uh, our review and our next episode at you know, yeah. some of the top ones, but had a real chance to get up there and it just kind of fizzled out for me in some of the, the battle scenes. Some of it was good, but I didn't buy the smoke or concrete or whatever that was, you know, uh jackhammer. Rolling yeah. That was a big, of, big of a disconnect. and just kind of what happened after that. It was like, uh, uh, well, we saw mayhem take off into the sky, but it wasn't the battle. He was just getting the hell out of there. And, I, you know, they're all heading back to this whatever rendezvous point with Vanessa. And I, I don't know. I thought the shuttle itself has boosters. It's not just relying on those uh, huge boosters to get into outer space. It's got some engines and stuff on it. it. Does. So that just kind of, I don't know. I was like, eh, she could have still kept going. Yeah. <laughs> you need to, you know, actually hit the, shuttle engine and then I could see it crash. But anyway, there was just some, they were really good with the details up until like the last maybe four or five minutes of the episode. And those details kind of collapsed on making it one of the top tier for me. Like just a couple more things and I'll give I'll let you know what I landed on. Like you mentioned the background music stopping short. I noticed that a couple times and we noticed that a little more since we've been reviewing the series, but I don't know if anybody you know, just starting on an episode like this would notice it. But anyway, it's annoyance. Uh, I mentioned those smoke bombs. Um, I guess I would have liked to have a little more input to the Thunderhawk computer from Alex before they selected the agents. I mean, we know what the situation is when you're watching the show. And this is the tick. This is me being picky, but it's like computer, Matt is down. I need agents for mission in Everglades. And, you know, we've heard Matt say that in the computer and it just basically gives you the input instead of, you know, how does the computer know what's going on? <laughs> well, you know, if you, well, yeah, and, and it, it, it's a tick, but it, it is, it's also inconsistent because if you remember way back and I'm talking at the, at the foundation of mask, mm-hmm. That was how it started. You know, there was an yeah. assumption that the computer, we thought the computer took in, you know, you know, assemble mask agents for their best mask agents for this mission. There was no mission. There was nothing stated, nothing. They right. eventually, Matt started detailing it, you know, mission right. in Everglades or mission in Aconda, wherever they're at. Okay. Yeah. And now we're back kind of at the birthplace of, uh, you know, assemble the best mask agents. Yeah. For what? It's at yeah. it's kind of back at the birthplace of where Mask was, so yeah, but yeah it's not consistent. Yeah, it's and like I said, I, that's that was more of a tick for me, and it would be would have been nice if he had a little bit more in there. And just the last little thing, I'm glad they used Julio in this episode, but yeah, basically he was only called in to be Matt's babysitter. <laughs> but they did say uh, that really he was supposed to watch over Matt, and he did. <laughs> Well, it, but he really didn't do a great job of that because Matt 
<laughs> left Matt the T-Bob. <laughs> so, I don't know. That was just kind of a – it's nice that they include another agent in there, but we don't – we haven't only seen uh, Julio in action like one time uh, sure. over in Ireland. But anyway, so I, I only knocked it down at a, a half point. I was thinking about going down to four, and I thought, well – I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pull it down a full point just because the last few minutes weren't kind of where I had hoped it would go. So I landed on a four point five, and I rounded up to five. I thought it was a overall, and compared to some of the more recent ones we've reviewed, it was definitely a couple steps higher. So that's where I landed on. What did uh, What did you take away from the second half, and what was your final rating? Uh, night and day difference between the last episode and this. Um, like I said, we get the suspense of Matt being bitten by a poisonous snake with the team rushing in to get the serum. We get to see the new feature of T-Bob. We've already touched on it, but the, the detail and the complexity of, you know, Alex connecting with Thunderhawk computer to first broadcast the message and then to enter that code 1330. It's more of a tick like you. But for this one, I call them the call-up funnies because they usually have some kind of outtake to it that's supposed to be comical. Um, for, for me, that I think some of them are too lengthy. This, these were way too small. It was like, yeah, it was go. very short. It was quick. Very yeah. Quick. To me, it was just a hair too small. I don't know why. I just, again, tick. Nothing major. It's just different. Uh, again, like I said earlier, we learned that Julio is a doctor now. The setup to take the shuttle via... Uh, basically, a different set of controls was good. It added to the suspense. I, I don't know that I would buy that. That you know, there's a separate set of controls for NASA. I'm sure there is in the grand scheme of things. Like, uh, I don't know, uh, Houston and some other entity. I don't know, Mission Control or whatever. But a little switch outside the room. I, I don't buy it. But it is a cartoon. Uh, I didn't. I didn't knock it down. Just a tick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mock shuttle was a good ploy for Venom to use so they could grab the, the real shuttle. Like you, I noticed the music. Yeah. And like you, the music bed kind of just stopped abruptly. I only caught it once. I didn't catch it that second time. Like you did. And Aces sleeves changing. Those were markdowns minor, but they were markdowns. The team being attacked and Alex calling the shots with Matt basically coming in with T Bob to essentially save the day. Uh, the detail of Thunderhawk crashing was actually good to see the you know the window broken out and it looked it looked like it was propped up uh, against a tree you know mm-hmm. and then like you said Rhino we like to see the mortality yeah. of the vehicles being hit uh, we both like that and then like I said earlier the the eye details like they really wanted to capture the eyes this time to me this was such a great episode I did mark it down little tiny points. But honestly, to me, this was—it uh, wasn't even worth knocking it down to full half points. So it's this is a five for me, cool. hands down. Cool. Well, I did not good. see any similarities. Similarities either. I tried. Yeah, nothing, nothing, no similarities to our movie script that I pulled out either. So let's just uh, end our personal reviews there and head over to some uh, listener feedback. Got the poll up. We had uh, just eight votes this time, but they were all in the upper upper part of the rating. We had uh, 38% for both 
five and four and 25% was three. So no twos or ones. Apparently we're on the right track with them. And yeah. uh, we got several uh, listener comments and uh, Anna leads it off. This is one of my favorite episodes in the entire series. I love to see Vanessa as an astronaut and man's comment. When I buy someone, I buy the best about her. She seems to be able to pilot all crafts, which is really cool. It's also fun to see Alex Sector take over as mission leader and T-Bob ending up saving the day at the end. I suppose the main reason why I like this episode so much is that a lot of unusual things happen and that makes it very entertaining, especially the part about Matt being bitten by a snake and Alex taking over as mission leader. It's nice to see that mask agents have vulnerabilities too. Apart from one time with Gloria early in the series, it's not often that we see them get hurt in spite of all the dangers they are exposed to. That's actually great because, like you identified, there, we don't see a lot of um, – uh, usually there's a set routine. You know, Matt's the leader, typically know the plot to some degree with mayhem. But this was the that, like you identified, Anna, it's that whole – they decided to go outside the norm you know, make Vanessa this ultimate space shuttle pilot. You make T-Bob basically one of the heroes of the day. Coincidentally, you make that nice, cool video, of, you know, of T-Bob there, Jason. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have I used some footage from this episode, too, of him yeah. uh, flying Thunderhawk. And yeah, that was, uh, it was nice that Matt thanked him twice at the end as well. Right. But uh, yeah, I like her point that uh, we don't get to see it's just like in GI Joe or anything else. We don't see the uh, the people hurt very often, right? Or in any kind of life threatening places. I, I do remember that one episode. I think it was essentially quote unquote friendly fire. Brad, I think, collided with Gloria, and he kind of yeah. blamed himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, if you think of the very first episode in the, in the Death Stone, where Hondo gets hurt. And they need oh, yeah. uh, the healing power from the Death Stone at the end to uh, essentially get him healthy again. So, yeah, that doesn't happen. That might, might be the only uh, couple other times that uh, we've seen the mask agents hurt. So, very good point there. And that then, takes us uh, on to John T. Tragonis. Yep, John. Uh, this episode was certainly one of the better ones for me. Minor flaws. I'm becoming more and more interested in how the computer determines the best agents for the mission when, in this case, Alex tells it nothing about what the mission is. This is basically what we just talked about. Some of the best lines in any Mask episode, mainly Mayhem's comment about buying the best. Uh, And I did like seeing the team wouldn't fall apart without Matt in the driver's seat, literally, with regard to T-Bob flying Thunderhawk. And best of all, in... Unlike the episode we're introduced to Ace and Slingshot, we actually see Slingshot in action. And it totally made up for that other episode. So I would uh, agree. It was, again, I, when they introduce the characters, it's really good. And I kind of give them a little bit extra points when they show the full function of the vehicles right. as well. And they didn't do that. And uh, I think we even noted that. And I might have even harped on them for... Uh, not doing that in the episode, but uh, yeah, it was good to see that slingshot in action. And then our next comments from Decker. Right. I think overall that 
this is a pretty good episode. As a kid, I really thought they were going to kill Matt Tracker in this episode. Always freaked me out. But I loved seeing Alex in charge, Julio as a doctor, T-Bob flying Thunderhawk, and Venom actually doing an infiltration mission. Small things that I liked. Small shout-out to the PNA giving Mask permission to land at Cape Canaveral. T-Bob passive-aggressively destroying Scott's plane. <laughs> uh, Matt sabotaging Jackhammer. I kind of feel like th if this episode was made today, the military guy working for Venom would have been Mayhem's brother from the Racing series. Still could be, I guess. Uh, and then John T. At, basically adds a comment to that. I enjoyed the passive-aggressive T-Bob, too. So that, that's a kind of comical, but yeah, quite agree. Uh, I think I think this could have been yeah. Mayhem's brother if it were to, to have worked out better. But yeah, that was good, good input. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we've got one more comment from Jade Vaughn. We're over on uh, our Facebook page, and I'm going to try to summarize again as uh, she put several points on here. But uh, she says, I've got the old frosted shredded wheat commercial complex. I split the difference and gave this one three stars. Kid and me loves it. Still does, honestly, hence the conflict. And Donald and me goes, Venom should have won this one. Shows enough as I have no problems with any of them in this episode. Why? Pretty much each mask agent, while yes, they are human, loses common sense at some point in the episode. Alex milks the snake for the venom to make the antidote and knows the Everglades is ripe with poisonous snakes. So why didn't Alex have the anti-venom kit with him at all times when they're in the marshes? I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he had it in the boat, but I don't know. Anyway, uh, why did Dusty think it's a great idea to climb the ladder to the launching shuttlecraft? Julio already knew Matt was going to try and go on the mission and had already attempted to. So why didn't he or Scott sit by Matt's bedside all the time? T-Bob, I still haven't figured out why he'd agreed to fly Matt and Thunderhawk, knowing he wasn't well. I guess he's a robot, and he kind of has to say what... <laughs> well, you know, T-Bob seems to be... be easily coerced into things. Scott usually well, drags him into something. Sure. So, uh, Matt's experience in all those effects of the bite, had the dizzy spell, and actually faints in Thunderhawk from the uh, fever, yet he thinks, yeah, we'll go chasing a shuttlecraft, T-Bob and me. Well, I now see, I they said when Alex radioed in, said that he wouldn't be able to reach him in time, so I guess Matt is thinking he's the only hope to do something about this before they get away. So I can I, I can buy into that a little bit more, I guess, than she did. With things she liked, Alex and Matt, uh, wedding dagger with uh, without using their masks and weapons. Uh, on the flip side, I like Venom actually being smart enough to have dagger to protect the fake shuttle. I like the scene where Alex is smoking a snake for the Venom. I wish more cartoons put real life in them and treated the adults as adults like Mask did. Them actually showing what would happen if Matt was incapacitated before a mission. Nice to see Julio automatically called out on a mission in this case. Mm -hmm. And then finally, okay, I admit it, I like T-Bob more in this episode for the comic relief because he's not trying to be funny, which is her pet peeve. Not as many puns either, which is a nice break. His destroying the plane was quite nice. So 
I kind of agree with that. And like I've said before, when they try to be funny, when they try to come up with the puns, that wears on you really quick. But when it's yeah. more uh, natural or they're feeding off each other's quirks, the humor is a lot better. And I think I even put in my notes one time when Matt came out of the, uh, when he, when he got the shot and he kind of came out of his little spell there and he's almost immediately started in with a pun. And I was like, Oh, he's, I guess he's feeling better. <laughs> he's back with the puns. <laughs> so it. it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something you got to kind of live with when you're watching these episodes, but, I think we've gauged that level so many times throughout, you know, reviewing 50 episodes now that we know when they go overboard with the puns and we know what's tolerable. <laughs> At least I have that kind of feeling in my head, you know, I'll yeah, give you a few here and a few in the second half, but sometimes even a few, if you do them back to back to back, I'm like, oh, <laughs> come up with some dialogue. Come on. Anyway, uh, Thank you, Jade, for chiming in at length, <laughs> as uh, you always do. We we do appreciate those, and oh yeah, and the others, even if it's just a short little review, we'll uh, definitely read it back for you. And uh, I guess that's going to about do it for our Everglades Oddity review. And coming up next, as we've done in the past, or if you're new to our show, after each ten episode stretch, we go back. And uh, basically just touch and do a, a little mini review of what happened and our ratings uh, on each episode in that stretch. And then we come up with our favorite and least favorite moments of those 10 episodes. And then what I enjoy most is kind of putting the stats together and then comparing to the all the other seasons of MassCast that we've done, like episodes 1 to 10 and 11 to 20. I think if memory serves me correctly our best stretch or our highest rated season was season three, which was, I think was 21 to 30. I think so. Yes. Um, which was, I, I remember it being surprising that we rated it above those first 10 episodes. Cause a lot of those first 10, we had a lot of fives and fours in there. Right. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, <laughs> this is honestly, and again, we, we haven't been uh, consistent with releasing these episodes and, doing uh one or two reviews each month but um i can't remember many fives in this stretch so i'm a little worried this might be uh, <laughs> on the lower end of the uh the quote-unquote spectrum as i come up with a pun overall in this uh right in this review to view all the review all the episodes so it'll be fun i think it'll be quick to put together so maybe wyatt we can get together fairly soon and knock out this uh, overview and then get right back into uh, episodes 51 to 60. So. Yeah, it sounds uh, great. Anything else you want to add before we get out of here? No, uh, just for your, the like you said, the new listeners, if you are listening, we, we've classified seasons every 10 episodes. For, so right. for us, you know, we're on basically season five of our little segment uh, so-called but uh, otherwise no there's not much more to add we appreciate all the listeners uh, all your input it's actually great to have the input uh, it doesn't matter 
how lean or how how thick it is we enjoy all the comments reviews we enjoy the votes and we treasure your guys's uh, interaction they're on our facebook page as well uh, there's so many so many fans that we seem to yes and twitter and we seem to find more and more routinely hitting us up so it's it's awesome so well, i'd say we uh we get on out of here and uh we start doing our homework for the next episode. Sounds good. So once again, thank you all for listening and watching us. And thanks for joining us on Mascot.